Please pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this honor and privilege, Lord God, to be able to worship you in the place that you have placed us, has given to us to be a part of, Lord God, this body. Thank you for the 13 years of your faithfulness. And Lord, tonight, I thank you for our guests, our friends and our family that um, said yes to our invitation. I pray for their hearts, Lord God. I pray for your Holy Spirit to be the one to open the eyes of their hearts and to hear your message, to hear you speak to them, Lord God. As you speak through me, Lord God, I pray, Father, that you just override my preparations. Give me the wisdom, Lord God. And Lord, save those who are lost, heal those who are sick. And Father, answer our prayer and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, my timer started. For our guests, for, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, um, this is a two-hour message. That's, I'm, I'm cutting it short. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to try to. Some people are like, oh, my gosh, what did I get myself into? Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. I'm going to begin reading from uh, CSB. When he entered Capernaum, again after some days, it was reported that he was at home, speaking about Jesus. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Since their faith, Jesus, seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I'll tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, verse 12, he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Today you have opened your life and you have given time to hear His Word. You have opened, you have said yes to the invitation of your family and your friends, your co-workers. And I praise God for that. I hope that you will see by tonight why they invited you, why they keep bugging you, right? Why they keep putting those things in, on your, on your uh, Facebook message box or, in, or texts. Because they care about you. Because... They love you. The reason why we are here, or the reason why we exist here, is because somebody responded to God's love. And because of that love that is in that person, he cannot help himself but to start also a church because of that love. And that was 13 years ago to our founding pastor, Pastor Julius Aquino, who is now in the Philippines. And as a church here, our, our goal is to know Christ, to become like Him, and to make Him known. And the one thing that we always know here is that we study the Word of God. 
We study the Word of God. And as I read that, those verses to you, we will, we will study it in, in, in line with some other verses in the Bible, God's Word, to verify what He is saying, if we are still talking about the same thing. And so the setting is this. So on, on chapter 1, if you will have the time tonight, go to Mark chapter 1, you will see there that Jesus has already been healing people. He healed the leper. He healed people who were sick. So the news has got around that there is a Jesus guy that's healing sick people. And there's these four friends that decided like, hey, look, let's bring you to that guy. He's back home. And this, you know, the majority of the churches are Filipinos, right? And if somebody invites you, Mike, if, so, if we invite you and you can't find the house, just look, just listen for the karaoke. And you'll know which house it is, okay? Or look for the open garage and you'll see a bunch of Filipino guys just sitting there and talking. That's what happened here. When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was home. Jesus was home. And, you know, I, I did my study and, and it looks like it was, it was, Saint, uh, it was Peter's uh, in-law's house. And in Capernaum, there's not a whole lot of big houses. There's like a lot of small houses, and the way the houses there are designed is there is a staircase going up to the roof because the roof is usually, are all flat. They're flat and, and they usually use that roof for, for laundry or like a patio type of setting. But there's always a staircase that's outside for you to, that leads you up to the roof. And, and mind you here, it says there in verse 2, so many people gathered together. There was no more room, not even in the doorway. He was speaking to them. He was speaking the word of, uh, he was preaching. I know that we read, and you probably know the, the ministry of Jesus about him healing the sick, but he also preached the word. He preached the word. He, because that's the only way that we can learn. In Romans 10, 17, if we can switch that slide for us, please. In Romans 10, 17, it reads there. So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. In Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pieces even through, it pierces even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is the word of God. And by studying the word of God, by hearing the word of God, that's how you know Him and His will for your life. And as a church, that's what we constantly try to do in this church. We Yes, we say quotes from, from people that we think is related to the, the, the message. Usually, hopefully, they're, they're believers too. But more importantly, we study the Word of God and we relay that to everyone. Because that is what speaks life. It either speaks life or death. And I'm hoping that tonight it will speak life to you rather than the other. In verse 3 here, they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was saved. Imagine the setting now. I'm trying to imagine the setting as I was studying this. There was a lot of people. Right? A lot of people, and I, I, I saw somewhere that in Jewish tradition, if there's already a lot of people, there's, they will drive you away. 
if you're coming because there's no more room for you. So that's probably what happened to these four friends of this paralytic guy. So imagine you've, the reason that you're probably late was because the friend was really heavy, right? Because they probably already knew, like, all right, it's going to start at 5.15. We're going to try to make it there. But it's just the guy was so heavy. For those of you who work in the medical field and, or have carried dead weight, that's twice the amount, right? It's twice as heavy. So these four friends did the effort. They, had, they loved their friends so much that they took, they took the time and it took them... You know, they didn't need, hopefully they were working out, right? Hopefully they were in shape because that's a lot of walking and a lot of lifting. But they did not give up. Not because they were being uh, uh, driven away. They didn't give up. They said, oh, you know what? Let's bring him up in the roof. Now, this is no Mission Impossible type of thing where Tom Cruise went down real smooth, right? And then there's that music. Everything was just perfect. This was loud, Imagine the setting here. Jesus was speaking seriously, and there's no microphones there, right? There's no microphones during that time. I'm imagining people were talking as Jesus was preaching. And I've had times where I was interrupted while I was preaching, but I'm pretty sure this was a lot more. While Jesus was talking, things, you know, you could hear the loud banging. Because according to uh, the, the, the building of that is like there's dirt and there's tiles, so they had to break the tile and they have to do some digging. You see the effort of the four friends there? Just because they heard about Jesus healing people, because of their love for their friend that's been, that's been paralyzed for quite some time, they decided, you know what, let's help him. And let's bring him to this guy. And then Jesus said there, since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So there's, there's you know, the, now, the condition of the church now, we have to bring up some gimmicks, you know. We have to bring up some gimmicks to bring people to church, which is the sad thing. You know, they're, 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 we, we come up with, with back to church Sundays. We come up with, with certain things just to bring people to the Lord. But in this time right here, there was people were flocking. They were there to hear Jesus. They want to hear what he has to say. And folks, as a church here, we believe, we believe that there is no other way to heaven other than Jesus Christ. And we constantly put our, our relationship with you on the line. Whenever we try to invite you to come to church, whenever we try to speak openly about our faith, we put our relationship with you on the line. Not because we think we're better than you. Not because we think we're perfect. It's actually the other way around. In this church, we have admitted that we are not perfect. Far from it. To a point that we said that we are such big sinners that we need a Savior which is Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. So please, I know there's, there's a lot of talks, oh yeah, people that go to church, are, they're hypocrites because they're, you know, they're not perfect. I work with her. I work with him. I live with him. <laughs> I'm his son. Yes, we are not perfect. We admit that. We are a church of broken people. 
We are a church that, are, that have admitted that we are, are sinners, imperfect people with a perfect Savior that has mended us for our sins against Him. We also have taken the time as a church, just like the, three, the four friends here, where they, they have, imagine that dead weight in a stretcher that we call it now. It's probably worse before. So the design of that, they're lifting that. There's a lot of effort going up the staircase, breaking that roof, right? Strain in their, in their muscles. We've taken that too. If you've visited us before, you know that the church design isn't designed this way. We've broken walls down and we've added, we've added chairs in anticipation and in hope that our family and friends will, will have a place to sit on. Because we believe that we are, are speaking, we are learning about the truth of God. And we, whenever we invite you, we want you to know that there is a place for you in this church. So there is effort too. Believers of the church, this church, I praise God for your obedience. Whenever you try to put yourself on the line inviting your family and your friends, even though it's embarrassing, I don't know why. But if I have to invite a guy who doesn't even care about boxing, and I'm talking about Manny Pacquiao fight, I could care less if they say no to me. But I'll just open my mouth and I say, hey, you want to you come with me? We're going to watch uh, the Manny Pacquiao fight. Oh, you don't care about boxing? That's cool. All right. But if it's about Jesus, about inviting my friends to come to church, I'm kind of hesitant. It, it, I'm embarrassed to admit that. I have to really get the strength from God and say, Lord, help me not be embarrassed to invite my friends or my family to come to church. Give me the strength and the wisdom to be able to utter the words, come to church. <laughs> but then if I talk about real estate, I'll talk about real estate like, just like that. There's, like I'm seeing my friends coming in. I'm, I'm seeing making eye contact with them, giving them a head nod. I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, oh, man, my homeboys are here. <laughs> What's going to happen? They're here to finally hear me preach. Because usually if you're, coming, if you've only been coming on anniversaries, we usually have a guest speaker. But the church had a big idea to have me preach. So please blame them if this is a fluke, right? <laughs> have the talk with them. <laughs> Moving on. It says here in Mark 16, 15 to 16, this is what we as a church also believe in. This is what the four friends did. We have all invited you because of this. And he, speaking about Jesus, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We have been commissioned by Jesus. We have been told that the only way to heaven is by accepting Jesus as our Lord. That there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. That Jesus Christ on the cross has done everything for us. For me, as a very imperfect person, I love that. Because I can constantly make mistakes in a split second. I just need to be driving and I'm losing all my patience. <laughs> I actually lost it when I was with Jamie the, last, the, the other day. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about it. But, yeah, that's. <laughs> but there's, there's this thing, and we are here to bring you to Jesus. That's why I entitled our message, Come to Me. 
Come to Jesus. If you come to Jesus, He will give you rest. This life that we have here, especially in this country, or the whole world for that matter, we have been lied to. We have been told that we have to live our lives to get rich. The songs that have constantly been out there is about fulfilling our pockets. And then with that pocket, it gives us power. With that power, it gives us girls for the guys. It gives us guys for the girls. It gives us all the influence that we need. It makes us feel that we're successful. As a, as a Filipino, our culture is terrible with that too. We don't want to listen to people who don't have any money. The only advice that we listen to, the people that we listen to, are the people with a lot of money. If they have money, I'm listening to him. If he's broke, who who's this joker? What's he talking about Jesus? He's broke. I don't want that Jesus. I want the Jesus that will get me rich, make me rich, make me successful. Now we all know that's not the truth. Because we know of the people that have taken their lives, committed suicide, right? Even though they're millionaires, even though they're billionaires, even though they're famous, even though they have so much thing ahead of them, they still decided that, you know what? My life's not changing. I'm not happy. I'm done. Did you know that it's the second largest thing that takes the, the, the millennials or Gen Z? It's the second thing that takes their life is suicide. It's an epidemic for them. And it's all because they have listened and they believe in a lie. And, it, and that lie from the enemy, because the enemy, that's, that's what he does, right? He tells us one thing. He entices us, just like what he did in the garden with Eve. Surely you will not die if you eat this fruit. God just doesn't want you to know what's good and what's evil. So they ate it, and then the rest is history. But we still fall for it. Up to now, we still fall for it. And as believers of Christ, we know this. And we are compelled, because of God's love that is flowing in our hearts, we are compelled to share it with you. Even though sometimes it costs us our friendship with you. But the friends, the four friends, they believe that the only person that can heal their paralytic friend is Jesus. And no matter what, by hook or by crook, they were going to bring their friend to Jesus. So let's take a look at that account again. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Pause right there. Seeing whose faith? Seeing the friend's faith, not the paralytic. Jesus was impressed with the friends. He was talking about maybe Isaiah. Let's just imagine this. Talk about Isaiah. And there's this loud banging. Bang, bang, bang. And there's dust coming down on his head. It's like, what in the world is going on? And then there's this body, a paralyzed guy coming down. Right? And then Jesus did say, how dare you interrupt me? No, Jesus didn't say that. What Jesus saw was, he saw the faith of the four friends. And he said, son, an endearing way to call someone. Now, I've read and I've heard that this term of endearment to this paralytic guy is the same when Jesus called. Do you remember, I don't know if you know about the story about the woman who was bleeding for many years. 
And she touched, she touched Jesus' cloak, and Jesus turned to her and said, Daughter, because of your faith, you have been healed. And he calls the paralytic son. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes are sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Now, look at this. Look at this situation here. The four friends brought their, their paralytic friend over to Jesus so that Jesus will heal him physically, right? And then here comes Jesus saying, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, with your muscles strained, this was me and my homeboys were like, what did he say? Sins are forgiven? We're like, hello, open your eyes. Jesus, I thought you know everything. Can't you see this guy's paralyzed? Why are you forgiving his sins? Heal him physically. That's why we brought him to you. What is this thing about forgiving his sins? You know, the truth is, Jesus healed or addressed the most important thing to that paralyzed guy. The most important thing. And now physically, some of you, were, you're probably sitting there and you're like, you know, me, you know, me I, I don't need forgiveness. I don't feel like I need forgiveness. I feel like and I think that I'm a good person. You know, you can think that you're a good person, especially if you compare yourself to somebody who's worse than you. Because there's always somebody worse than us, right? You know, you know, I might be a bad dad, but man, I know this guy. <sighs> so that makes me not so much of a bad guy. Or I don't feel like I'm sinning anyway. I'm doing everything right. I'm working for my, my family. I'm providing for my children. I don't feel like I need salvation. I don't feel like I need just Jesus thing. This is, this is the example there. Physically, sometimes when you have to go to the doctor and you, didn't, you don't feel anything, you feel normal and you go through your normal annual checkup and all of a sudden, sadly, the diagnosis or the checkup comes up with, I'm sorry, but you have cancer. And, you, you know, you get to the shock and you come and you're like, what are you talking about? I don't feel like I have cancer. I don't feel like I have... I don't feel like that. I don't feel sick. I'm, I'm happy. I'm healthy. Same with broken families. When, when I have so many friends, when they get through their divorces, they'll say, you know what? I didn't feel that there was something wrong. I didn't even know that there was something wrong. I thought we were okay. But here, Jesus says he knew what was the most important thing. But then he also knew about the scribes. The scribes, they are the religious people. The scribes were, they heard about Jesus too. They heard about there's this hotshot preacher going around town healing people and speaking about God. So there were, there were probably sent, there were probably the recon people. Like, oh, go check on this Jesus guy. See what he's doing. Then they saw this. They're like, what is he doing? He's blaspheming. See, religious people know the Bible necessarily, Right? They know it, but knowing the Bible doesn't necessarily mean you know God. Reading the Bible doesn't necessarily mean you know God. Doing the rituals, doing the, the things that you grew up doing doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right thing. 
But they knew the right thing here because it says, who can forgive sins but God alone? They were saying the right thing there, that the only person that can forgive sins is God alone. For example, if I sin against you, I'm hoping that you will forgive me, right? And if you sin against me, you're going to hope that I forgive you as well, right? But ultimately, folks, even if we end up forgiving each other, we still sin against God. And the Bible says that we have all fall short and have sinned. But look at what David said in Psalm 51.4. David said, Against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. David sinned against Bathsheba. David committed like murder with Uriah. But yet, and he was told by Nathan that, hey, you're the guy who sinned against God. And then David wrote this. He recognizes that the one true person that he ultimately sinned against is God. Now, if you're going to face God tonight, and you're going to tell them, well, I forgot about that. Lord, I'm sorry. I forgot that I sinned against you before. That's not going to excuse you. Forgetfulness will not excuse you. Or you can say, well, God, you know, I've done many good things before that. I've done many good things as well. You know, think about this. If you get pulled over for speeding, right, and you're not going to be a jerk about it. You're just going to be nice, right? And the officer, highway patrol comes to you, sir, you were going 90 on 70. And try this, try this. Say, you know what, officer? There were many times I wasn't speeding. Yesterday I wasn't speeding. Earlier I wasn't speeding. Ten minutes ago I wasn't speeding. Can you let me off the hook? See if that works for you. But we act as if it will work with God, right? But when it comes to God, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to God, we think it can work. We think that God knows everything. He does. But when we say, well, God knows everything, we're saying this. God will excuse my faults because I've also done some good things. But the Bible tells us that there is no good works. There is no good works that can compensate against our sins against Him. But only through grace, only through Christ, because we sin through God alone, but He has given us a way out through Christ alone. You know, I looked it up. It's 66 days till Christmas. <laughs> I'm Filipino. I count it. Uh, there's only 66 days till Christmas. And we love Christmas because of the good things, right? The gifts, the good feel, the, the smell, the food the clothes, everything. Because we were raised to think about Christmas as the time to give, a time to feel good, a time to do good things. But we're forgotten the whole point of Christmas. The Christmas time is when Jesus, the Son of God, came down on earth to be what? So that we will have a holiday? <laughs> so that we can have exchange gifts, right? So we can have an extra holiday pay on our checks? No, Christ came down to be the sacrifice for our sins. 
Because that's the only way. Imagine God's goodness there though. Because of, we sinned against Him, but He was the one that gave us the way out. Again, going back to the ticket part. Hopefully nobody gets pulled over by tonight. <laughs> going back to the ticket part. You get pulled over because you're going 20, 20 over. The officer says, you're going 20 over. I'm going to write you the check. If he writes you the check, that's just right. It's called justice. Correct? It's called justice. If he says, you know what, but I'm not going to give it to you. That's called mercy. But then the word, this is, this is now grace. But then he goes, you know what, I won't give it to you. But as a matter of fact, I'll pay for it. That's grace. That is what God has done for us, folks. That is what God has done for us. We sinned against him, but he is the one who provided a payment for that sin that we committed against him. Now, if you can't trust a God like that, if you can't love a God like that, I don't know what else to tell you. Nothing about, I'm not calling you a bad person. You're probably a better person than I am. That's why when we invite people, when we tell people about our, our relationship with Jesus, that, and then when, when somebody very close to me said, you're so arrogant to say that you guys are the only ones that will go to heaven. I didn't say, oh, hey, we're the only ones that are going to go. I didn't even say it that way, but that's how it reflected to him when I shared it. But I said, no, you're wrong. I'm not the arrogant one here. It's actually you. Because you're telling me that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross isn't enough. That you can add to it. Or you're saying that Jesus was wrong in coming down on the cross. Coming down on earth to die on the cross. That he was wrong because you didn't need it. So I'm not the arrogant one in the conversation. Folks, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine. And that is the only payment that God will, will accept. And when, if you remember, when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he meant that it is paid for. It is paid for. There's no more adding to it. It is done. It is done. Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? Now, that question by Jesus is his statement. That is how he answers his adversaries. He answers their question with a question, but his question in itself is a statement. Because frankly, both of those things, to have a paralyzed man walk is impossible. Do we agree? I agree. I think so. And to die on this, your sins are forgiven. In order for the man's sins to be forgiven, Jesus is actually saying, it's actually harder when I forgave him his sins. Because for him to be forgiven, Jesus needed to go to the cross. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it reads, For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Folks, it is paid for. Jesus was the payment. That's why when Jesus said, which is easier, 
To tell him that his sins are forgiven or to tell him to get up and walk. The, uh, the easier thing is to tell him to get up and walk. The hardest thing was the first one that God, what, that Jesus addressed. In Isaiah 53, 5-6, it reads, this is what Jesus went through. And you, I'm pretty sure most of you have probably seen the Passion of the Christ. That scene when Jesus was, was crucified, he says here, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Our sins, the, the many times that we have said, I will do it my way, not your way, Lord. Jesus paid for that through the cross. We are saved by grace, but it is not cheap. It has been paid for, but it is not cheap by any means. Tenth verse of Mark, it says, on chapter 2, it says, So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Folks, when Jesus came here, I'm pretty sure some of you are sitting there and you're probably thinking, this is just another Bible story that I've heard when I was younger. And it's not true. You know, you can do your research. If you're really trying to find out if God is true, is there are documents. There's proof there. If you're really searching, there's really proof that shows you that Jesus was born Jesus was crucified, and Jesus resurrected. That's our fifth point tonight. Christ resurrected. I passed on to you that was most important, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Just as the Scripture said, again, going back to the Bible, He was buried, He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Paul, one of the, the most religious people in his time. He studied the scriptures. He was the, Jew, he was the Hebrews of Hebrews. He followed everything that was taught. But yet he found it necessary to accept Jesus as his Lord. And that it's only Jesus that would take him to heaven. It's not about what he did or continues to do for Christ. But it's everything about Christ. And then there's proof there. There's 236 manuscripts that proves Jesus' birth, Jesus' life, 
his crucifixion and his resurrection. And here Paul's daring people. It's like, go ahead and ask people. Some of them are still alive during this time when he was written. There's 500 of them and some. He was, in, he was resurrected for 40 days. So folks, my plea, our plea, your friends and your family's plea is this. If Jesus is real, then everything that he said is true. If Jesus is real, if he was born, if he was, he was healing, those miracles were recorded, if those really happened, then everything that he said, we must heed to. Just like when he was arguing with the, with the he wasn't arguing, he made the statement to the, the scribes. He said, just so you know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins here on earth, he basically already made the claim that he is God. And it is only Him that can forgive. It is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. You are here tonight, and it, that is not by accident. It is either you finally gave in to your friends or your family's invitation because they've been bugging you. You said, you know, are you going to leave me after tonight? <laughs> are you going to leave me alone? They said, yes. Okay, I'll come. <laughs> That's still okay. <laughs> but if you are here tonight, and you are hearing God's word in your heart, please heed to the truth of Christ. That He is always there, trying to reach out to you, and always inviting you, saying, come to me, and I will give you rest. Our lives, we're so tired because we have made our lives to just chase after a lie. It's after a lie. It's like, it's a rat race, basically. I want a successful life because that's what the world says. I need to be rich because that's what the world says. I need to be famous because that's the, what the world says. And then you reach, reach those, those goals and all of a sudden, it's useless. It reminds me of this Filipino guy. I have to say Filipino because he was running late. Right? This Filipino guy, he was, he was a violin player. And it was his first time out of college. And he was hired to play in a funeral. But he was running late. So he felt so bad. He took so many bad turns. And he saw, he's like, oh, man, I'm late. He saw the lid close. And, and the, the guys were dig, putting the dirt on the lid. And he's like, oh, man, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. But he goes, you know what? I'm still going to honor the dead and do my job. He starts playing the Amazing Grace and the violin. Amazing Grace. Like really heartfelt, heartfelt song, playing and playing, passionate. And the guys, the diggers, they were like, wow. You know what? I've installed so many septic tanks, but this right here is the best one so far. Let it sink in. Some, some of you are. <laughs> Sometimes we do things in this life that are, we think are useful. And then we find out it's useless. We were playing for a septic tank installation. <laughs> Jesus is constantly calling you. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, Come to me, all of you who are weary and tired. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light. Do you hear him? Do you hear him speaking to you? Is there a tug in your heart? Did he touch your heart tonight? Is it making sense to you that he has paid for it all? It is time for you to accept his gift of salvation. Like the paralytic man, he had to obey Jesus when Jesus said, get up, take up your mat. Imagine when, if Jesus failed. Imagine the owner of the house. If Jesus said, get up, take up your mat and go home. And the paralyzed guy go, oh, I'm trying, but it's not working. I'm trying, but it's not working, dude. My muscles haven't been working for many years. What are you telling me? Get up. Take up your mat. And the friends are so tired with their arms. They're like, what in the world? Jesus did not heal him. This guy is fake. And the owner of the house is like, okay, who's going to pay for the roof? (laughs) What now? But no, Jesus did not fail. Jesus did not fail. The man had to obey, though. The man had to obey. The man had to believe in Jesus' words. Get up, take up your mat, and go home. So I don't know what he started saying. I don't know what kind of strut he was doing when he started walking. I don't know what kind of walk he did. It was a Denzel Washington walk. I don't know. I don't know what kind of walk, but I'm pretty sure it was a happy walk. I don't know if he was saying, I'm healed, and I'm going home. I'm walking and I'm going home. I'm walking and I'm forgiven. Folks, your friends and your family who have been inviting you and been telling you about Jesus and they're happy to tell you about it, whenever they open up about it, their their eyes light up because that's the experience that we had. When we accepted Jesus as our Lord, we, 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 we recognize our failures. We recognize that we can never make it to heaven without Him. And we accepted the fact that we are forgiven because of what He has done on the cross. That's why we can't shut up about Him. That's why we can't stop trying to invite you to accept the same gift. Folks, that is Jesus. He continues to reach out to you. Just like to the leper, when He healed the leper. For those of you who are Bible buffs, right? I'm hoping the believers here, the members here. You know, right, if Jesus said, if the leper was coming to him, because the leper said, Lord, if you are willing, I will be healed. What did Jesus do? Jesus reached out to him and touched him and said, you are healed. Jesus did not have to touch him. Jesus did not have to reach him. Jesus would have said, yeah, yeah, you're healed. Go ahead. (laughs) Right? Because he's a leper. He's supposed to be far away. From that person. Because that's a dirty person. But no. Our Jesus reaches out. Our Jesus. He stooped down. He came down on earth. He died on the cross. So that we can be forgiven. Let's close in prayer. Father we thank you. For your love for us. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for everything that you continue to do for us. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the 13 years that you have given to us as a church. We thank you for our friends and our family who are, who are here tonight. We thank you for your word. Father, we rest in your goodness. We rest in your love. 
I pray, Lord God, that you bless everyone that is here this evening. I pray that you answer all their prayers, Lord God, according to your will. I pray that you heal and mend broken relationships. I pray that you heal our brother Larry, Lord God, for his sickness. And anyone else who is sick, Lord God, physically, I pray for their physical healing. But more importantly, Lord God, we pray for salvation for those who are still lost. I pray that this will be the evening that they will accept you as their Lord. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.